Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore, through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. I just hadn't found a deck that I really enjoyed using for shadow work. I I have a a fair few decks, like a lot of people. Uh, I love the artwork of so many. But for me, uh, maybe because I'm a little different, I just didn't want to dive into a really dark deck for shadow work because it's already a little bit intimidating, honestly. And... um, I thought, well, if I treat this with a bit of quirk and uh, a little bit of a sense of humor and have this Shadowland space that we can visit and consult with these characters, maybe it will make the process a little more accessible. And you don't have to use the deck for shadow work. I still really enjoy uh, psychology and very mundane, well, mundane as opposed to intuitive and spiritual methods of reading because there are archetypes and ways that we all connect that are actual psychological things as well as our own personal spiritual connections. So I did both and I used to read for friends. They'd get spooked and then I'd, you know, put them away uh, because it is spooky for some. I was, a, I, Wednesday Adams here. What can I tell you? Uh, I was a spooky kid, still am. (laughs) (laughs) So Monica, so when you say um, like they got spooked and I'm thinking about what you said earlier about um, what was the word you used about true dreaming? Oh, it's called oneiromancy. It's O-N-E-I-R-O and then Nancy. Yeah. It's It's a Greek term. Okay. And it means uh, dreaming prophetically, um, okay. things that will yeah. come true. And my family all had uh, this. And the funny thing is, I guess from an outside perspective, if you don't have a, a family like this, you might get the idea that it's, you know, really kind of cool and uh, accepted and you all run down to the breakfast table and share your your dreams and Oh, yeah. I'm laughing because no. I relate in my own family. <laughs> no, no, this is like, really? No, we're going to pretend, especially since I'm first generation here in Canada. Um, my parents came from Europe post-war and it was like, just assimilate. Do not tell anyone about this stuff. Oh. And even discussing it within the family was a discomfort because it carried weight. So as a little kid, when I didn't know any better and I'd go running, you know, because I was pretty open and I'd go, hey, guess what I dreamed about? <laughs> oh. Good Lord. You know, where I, know. I used to go. hold meetings. I would be like Sunday morning. Okay. In the, I, I was the oldest child, but I was like, okay, what did you dream about mom? What did you dream about dad? You know, like I, Everybody and then my little sister would pick on her because she was four years younger and just couldn't articulate. And I felt like she would make up her dream and I'd be like, You're just making something up. I would get so upset. So I took it very seriously. 
I wish you'd been part of our family then. It's like my pet, my <laughs> and family, I, you, right? <laughs> or we'd be friends or something, <laughs> so right? we could support, talk. Support yeah, system, exactly. I mean, people took it seriously, but because some of the content was disturbing, okay. Mm-hmm. Often, uh, and I do tell people this: my my family, uh, they were highly, highly intuitive and dreamt these dreams and had these feelings and knew about herbalism. And you know, I think that uh, that's a real throwback to our survival instincts. Mm-hmm. And that we needed to, no cell phones, hello. You know, how are you going to tell how someone is doing like 100 miles away that oh, you haven't yeah. seen in 20 years? If you suddenly get a gut feeling they're not well or you dream about them or you have to be with them. I mean, you hear stories now all the time about people saying, I knew something was wrong with my daughter and I went to her school. We're connected. And I think that that is where it came from. Um but it, it it can be kind of difficult. You're not always going to get the the kind of dreams I think you'd like to have. You're going to get some disturbing imagery. And so we kind of all stay a little bit quiet about it and just try to get on with our day with that, those looks, you know? That's yeah. Like- now I took my son to high school every morning and there were some really, really he had, he had them really profoundly. And so he would be in sort of a funk and I would try to, I was, I felt very grateful that my son was very open with me. My daughter was not, uh, she was more of the closed up one, the older one, um, just a personality thing. So you always hear about girls and boys being different in that way, but maybe he and I are both air signs and we're just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> talk a lot um, where she was more uh, reserved. And so we would talk about his dreams and then they'd end up, um, a lot of the times the disturbing scenes would later play out later that day when he was, you know, like after high school, um, being downtown, um, some really, he just always seemed to have this weird tendency to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and experience some vicarious trauma that way. So it's sort of like, which, which comes first, the chicken or the egg syndrome in his case. Like it it was almost like he felt like he was, uh, you know, manifesting these things. Like he started to question whether it was something he was doing um, just by being him. And then the things would happen. So it was very confusing for him, I think, to work through that. Yeah, it, it can be confusing. I think in general, I, I don't know, it's different for every kid. And I'm sure it was for me or you and your children. I think you have to learn from your own dreams at what's going to happen. In my own belief system, which is very similar to, uh, uh, I guess, this portion of my practice anyway, because I'm also Eastern European, but the Nordic portion of my practice is very much believing in the web of weird. Uh, If you know about the web or rune reading, um, the web is interconnected lines of energy surrounding us. And basically, if you pluck one of those strings, 
that vibration will be felt by everybody, every creature, every plant, every tree. So if we understand that, you know, we say that in our language when we say, I'm resonating with you, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we say that I totally vibe with you. Yeah. Uh, we're already uh, understanding, uh, I think that when we say we're on the same frequency, uh-huh. uh, in the same space, we're just all connecting to that same vibration when that string is plucked. And uh, it, to me, because I'm an animist, I communicate with plants. I communicate mm-hmm. with um, with animals, trees, the dirt, the elements, other people. And I find that a lot of people come to me questioning their sanity. And yeah. I have to try to help them understand that society, and it, they're over really innocuous little things too, like I had a dream and it sort of happened. Am I nuts? And it's like, right. no, I want to add to that, not. if I may, for a second, yeah, like when, absolutely. before I lose the thought, I was going to say, um, I have, um, I developed and it, it, it came on right after I had my daughter, my first child. And I thought it was lingering effects of just a really long, arduous labor with her and then complications and then being on at the time they prescribed opioids, you know, to take home. And, and I just think that there was some residual, just exhaustion, hormones, everything, but I had, um, significant auditory hallucinations in my sleep. Now they always told me something important. It would be like a distinct voice or a piece of the song. And I wake up and there's no sound. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) And that is my premier sense. So I think, of course, that's going to come to me like through a a voice, a message like that. Um, So, yeah, that's definitely (laughs) made me question, am I schizophrenic? You know, like, am I having some sort of hallucination? Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't help that science is very cut and dried in this area. um, And so is psychology um, in saying that if you think you're talking to someone who isn't there, you are delusional, you are schizophrenic, likely, or you're just having delusions for some reason. Um, Magical thinking is considered by psychiatry to be a delusion. You cannot affect change with energy. That is a delusion. So society is, is supporting all of that. So no wonder people feel that way. And when you're introducing chemicals and neuroscience, there are certain triggers Uh, they can be delusions too. And I'm very careful with my clients that if I feel that, um, and I really have to feel that out, that if they do uh, have any psychiatric issues, I certainly am not going to uh, take care of those with tarot cards. Then I suggest those people get professional help. But at least if I am getting rid of uh, those fears that are exaggerated, like, um, you know, auditory hallucinations. Yes, I've had them, but I've only had them when I've been in a particular sleep state or brainwave pattern when sleeping. Mm, It seems that the, like when you have lucid dreaming, it seems like the doorway is open a little bit more and things are a bit clearer, but we can confirm 
if those voices are telling us things that we can confirm later that we didn't know. Um, and given my personal practice of ancestors visiting and helping, because my practice is very steeped in ancestral veneration, then they have turned into just advice that gets louder at times and quieter mm -hmm, at other mm -hmm. times, depending on my physical state and how I'm sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. I have a big, uh, love, hate relationship ship with, um, I said relationship <laughs> with sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Counting sheep never worked for me. Um, so yeah, it was very hard to sleep my entire life. So I, I have always had, um, I guess a fear of it, uh, speaking of fears. And so I wonder what, what brought you to like, even label the shadow, the shadow to do shadow work. Like where did that kind of arise? Yeah, that's, it's interesting because, uh, Carl Jung, uh, labeled the shadow persona in archetypes saying that that is the part of ourselves that we reject it's uh mm -hmm. the dark portion of our personality that we don't want to acknowledge because that's bad so if society said you can't be gay and you are you may have this shadow persona of uh that rejected part of yourself and denial completely because mm -hmm. of societal pressure and jung's theory was that if you don't recognize these shadows and integrate them and be your authentic self, you can't live your fullest life. And my own shadows are often spirits. They are sometimes fears, they're spirits. I live in the shadows because I'm just like that. I've always loved the dark and mm -hmm. I find comfort in those spaces and in meditative spaces. So shadows can be spirits and visions and fears and all the things that society kind of shoves aside. Uh, so basically- Would you say that, that it's ever, can it ever come from an intrinsic base? Like if you, you've said the word society a few times, but what if you really don't care? Like you've gotten to that point where you don't care what society thinks of you. Um, so I tend to be like that, like all the time. I just really don't- <laughs> care. And so I am true to my authentic self, I believe. But so say for me, um, the shadow things would be things that I just maybe don't like about myself that I don't want to face about myself. Okay. I just Absolutely. wondered, like, does it matter whose lens we're well, looking through? You know what, though, I think it's really difficult to tease those things apart. I generally have not ever cared what society thought, or I would not have been an unusual kid artist, uh, even though I attempted at times to conform. Mm, yeah, I would say not so I much. I used to take notes on it. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, how do I do this? this? Is what average <laughs> yeah. people do. Okay, I will try to do that. Um, right. But you know, those things like, let's just say someone said to you, you know, what if you're afraid? And this is a normal fear, right? You're not a very good mother. Right. All right. So society- Like your kids might not, say that. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's a fear that we all have. We, we would want to be the best for whoever we're looking after or love. But 
let's say we're just feeling down and we think we screwed something up and we make mistakes, but somehow we are denying that. No, 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 that can't be. I can't be a bad mom, let's just say, because, you know, for example, my mom may not have been great. I'm not bad. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. this denial and that gets shoved into the back of our minds. Um, And that we can only be positive things. That is the message we're telling ourselves. Like if it has anything negative, I'm, I don't want a part of it. It's not part of me shunning it. Right. And, you know, there are other shadows where we're constantly, um, our insecurities make us people pleasers 24 seven. This is, you might be saying, well, how is it bad? I volunteer all my time and I'm all, because it's, it's harmful to you. That's a bright shadow, if you will. Uh, it's not a good thing because you're only doing that because you constantly need validation and you're insecure. So there's lots of aspects though to, to the shadow, just to wrap that up and say that, you know, for me, it's a personal definition of how I live. I am actually a lot of people's shadow, right? I would never say I'm a witch in public. I would never wear black all the time. (laughs) I would never be an artist. Like they may be parts of themselves. And this is where Jung says how we project onto others. When we're stuffing those parts of ourselves into the back of our mind, we often see it on others. We're so worried about money. We're so cheap. And then somebody takes us out to dinner and doesn't buy dinner. And we're going, oh, that person's so cheap. And you know what you're doing? You're just projecting your own shadow. And it's almost like, I feel like we manifest that if if that's what's on our minds or on the back of our minds where we're just kind of feeling that insecurity and it's just right behind the right under the surface yeah those things will keep coming <laughs> they will just Absolutely. keep presenting themselves do you think that the tarot is a reflection of that does it kind of um like talk some more about the tarot like or reading cards and how yeah well how that incorporates. Right. The shadow. Okay. I kind of started reading tarot upright, like most people, and then moved to reading tarot in reversal and upright. So you have Mm -hmm. lots more options because, you know, you just get bored sometimes and you, you up the stakes a little bit and was very good at that. It worked, but I found there was a missing piece for me that maybe uh, because I kind of work against the binary in general. I think it's a false construct to say things are black or white. I think by now you would hope most people understand that there's a million shades of gray. And even with reversals, I found it very um, arbitrary. So I incorporated shadows as uh, another meaning. Uh, to the card that is neither positive necessarily nor negative. It's just a part of you that you stuffed away and you're not looking at. So a shadow, for instance, of the sun, let's just say the sun card upright might read happy days are here again. It's so wonderful outside. We love the sun. Things are looking great. Carefree naked creatures on horses. And you know, that's- <laughs> I hate the sun card. <laughs> Personally, like, I, like you, you said, you like the the dark. My sun and- card frowns in my Lenormand, by the way, just so you might like that. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I have to get you know, that. 
right? But a reversal of it might be things are not going to work out well, or they're not going to be sunny, they're going to be uh, lousy. It's just you were hoping for it to be sunny, but it's not. And for me, the shadow doesn't work in that space. A shadow mm -hmm. for me would be you're, if you were doing shadow work and I pulled the sun card, I'd say you are pretending to be really happy and you right. are not. I think that's, that's why shadow. I dislike it. It's like almost toxic positivity. There or, you go. It is. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah. um, so it just, yeah. Okay. So the sun card, that's why I have this inclination to not like it. I don't quite trust it because I'm already seeing the shadow of it. It sounds like you are, and you're your taking theory. it as, as exactly that, uh, ignoring any kind of difficulties and very toxic positivity in everything's fine to the detriment of really looking at things carefully yeah. and feeling right. I exactly. I dislike not dealing with things head on and and facing them. And so it's like, if that's forced in my face, it's like false exposure. It's like, so as a photographer, I'm thinking of opening the shutter and making the light come in. Like, and I'm like, I'm, no, no, I'm going to do this in my own terms. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got it. That's the, and that's how okay. I looked at the whole deck. I, so you don't just have to be a skeptic or a pessimist. Right? <laughs> You can look at it any way you want. And there has to be, even though it was designed with that in mind, that possibility, I think it's really important because I, I did, uh, you know, uh, get a, a bachelor's degree in design. So creating tools uh, is very important to me that they're effective and accessibility is. So the possibility is there, but you can read positive or reversals and mm -hmm. you get the added bonus of shadows. <laughs> yeah. So is tarot your preference or Lenormand or do you, can you just kind of, how do you decide? Well, my family were, they also were diviners, of course, uh, and they used playing cards. Uh, they did not use tarot cards. Um, I don't use playing cards as much. They translate sort of to the suits in tarot. Um, I like symbolism. It's my go-to. It's very personal, even though the gift of divination is in the family. So I like to use tarot first. And I also like Lenormand, oracle cards. Uh, so cardomancy in general. But I also read runes for very specific reasons and usually very personally. And I also do bone and curio casting. You can. I used to do a lot of scrying. Uh, and Ooh, I've been wanting to talk to someone about that because I oh, do it yeah. naturally, but I yeah. don't know, like I, I did it, so, like I didn't even know there was a name for it. But once I learned there was a name for what I was doing, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing. And I did it in the tiles in the bathroom. I did it on the floor, um, um, like with, with a, we had a cement, cement shower and outside of my bathroom my bedroom as a kid. And I spent a lot of time in there because I wasn't supposed to be up and I stayed up all night drawing in the, in the bathroom. <laughs> and so this was the other bathroom. The one had the tile floor and I would sort of merge my site on in like over 
like cross my eye over the other. So the, the gaze was like, it looked three-dimensional instead of two-dimensional because the square tiles were all the same size. So I could move one over the other and cause a 3D effect. Um, and then with the cement floor shower in off of my room, it just had a lot of natural patterns in there. And I would start seeing characters and they would talk to each other and move around. And, and so I don't know if that's traditional scrying or if it can be described as that. So I think my question is, well, what is the outcome? What do people see when they're scrying that, like, are you receiving a visual message of some sort? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do think that is, I think scrying is seeing imagery in any surface. Traditionally, it was a smooth surface. People um, had liquid in a bowl and uh, black mirrors or dark surfaces or obsidian or any shiny. A crystal ball. A crystal ball, absolutely. Or crystals or um, mirrors. The thing is, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be reflective. I think seeing images, um, you're accessing that information. And if that information is making sense to you in your current state or you're asking a question, I think the biggest thing that I've mentioned to people when teaching divination is that you should have something in mind and you should try to make time to intentionally do that. So if you were to ask, um, what is my next step for whatever, and you're sitting in your, your bathroom and you see a very particular symbol, which is why, again, I find symbolism so uh, mm -hmm. helpful, mm -hmm. that symbol will mean something to you. If you said, where should I focus my attention right now? And you uh, did your thing so you could see images in 3D and you saw your rooster, uh, that's a clear answer of where you should be focusing attention, mm -hmm. okay? And the weird saw, thing is as a kid, oh, when I would right? see something that I didn't recognize, that, you know, a universal symbol that I didn't even know about, or I'd have a dream of a symbol and then I would see it like off the roadside on a road trip with my family. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did I see that before I knew it existed? Oh, well, there's there's a theory for that time space continuum that you're just traveling ahead. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That our spirits in certain states and stages are just moving ahead. They say that about deja vu, too. Yeah. That actually, we've moved ahead in, in uh, time oh, and yeah. space to see what's up. Because, again, my thinking is that's a survival. We yeah. want to know that we're safe and that maybe, you know, you're wondering about the trip. So part of you is projecting mm -hmm. forward yeah. and, uh, you know, to see if maybe there's any, any danger on the way or if anything's going to happen. Well, that and describes me as a kid a for sure. Right? <laughs> I was worried about everything. Well, yeah. Most kids who are sensitive. I want to hear more about like what you saw when you saw dead people and this dead talker. But since I was a little kid, um, I was very aware of dead people. And I tended to, uh, you know, just to up the creep factor, hang out in graveyards a lot. Um, because, uh, you know, I just like to have conversations. 
And like a lot of little kids who do that, I think, or see spirit or say, hey, grandma's there or whatever. I think they just, um, you just kind of see it as normal. And you think everyone's like that until you learn that that's not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I see uh, people, if I could describe it, I mean, some, some folks, apparently my grandmother saw spirit as solid and yeah and uh so she found the whole thing a little disturbing because uh they would just sort of disappear and you can imagine you would question you know your sanity at times except she did see uh dead people that way and she knew that they were visiting because they sometimes left messages that were accurate but what she found i think distressing was that they were solid I don't see solid um, dead people. I think if I did, I would be very distressed for the same reason. Yeah, because you can't tell who's who. You would challenge your reality way. I got enough challenges, okay? But I do see them because you're an artist. You totally get this in my mind's eye. So if you told me to draw an apple for memory, I'm picturing it. Like you may think it's just muscle memory in your... But if you think about... Uh, what you're trying to draw, if you're recalling something, there is a mind's eye projection. And that is how I see people. So if I looked over your shoulder and said, there's a young gentleman standing behind you, who's probably about 24. Um, You know, he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt and he wants to talk to you. I'm not seeing that. Are you? (laughs) Yes. And he says, hello. And, you know, it's just, I that's that's the energy and i am seeing it in my mind's eye but not outside of that uh just to be clear and um yes when you told me you were missing a couple of people there was one young gentleman and there was a a a woman too a young woman she looked more like a a young a woman than say um a mother grandmother she was she was young she looked more like uh, someone who would be your age now and um i don't you know, know that's that just, person that i can just, recall but maybe maybe it's somebody of this house or something well see that's the other thing sometimes i see spirits that are attached to land they're attached to the house they're former owners they uh-huh. are relatives that people are unaware of that are stepping uh, yeah. forward to help they are uh oh so you're saying like she could be from a different time but was that at that age when she passed yes absolutely okay um the young man that i thought i could see standing behind your right shoulder though it looks very contemporary he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt and uh he's definitely from this era but the young woman um is not probably interesting Okay. And I don't hold conversations like, oh, hey, what are you doing today? I just don't because I need to stay grounded and where I am. If I feel that um, I'm doing a reading with you or somebody really needs information, I will look. Uh, often people don't want to know. They don't need to know. They just want to know their loved ones are okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, my my seeing uh, dead people is just part of who I am and talking to them. Sometimes they share stories. Sometimes they've shared historical information I've required very conveniently on tests. Occasionally, 
it's true. And yeah. occasionally, why um, not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? They've been very helpful. And occasionally they're just passing through. There's nothing there. There's nothing to discuss. There's no distress. You're just sort of making connection with the spirit who's passed. So when I saw my friend who is, I'm assuming the person you are describing, um, same person. So he overdosed when we were both 27. We had grown up together. He was one of the weird ones like me who would come from the North and we got each other. And at one time when we, we kind of re-met, re-started hanging out as friends when we were in our young twenties and he, he was around for my daughter used to read stories to her and he's kind of like an uncle figure, but he's definitely like a soul brother. We're the same age, uh, like just two weeks apart. Um, so, uh, forgot what I was going to say. He, (laughs) I keep doing that. Um, he, um, was when he came to me, my son was lying on a little pallet on the floor. Sometimes I think taking trips makes things more accessible psychologically or as receptive to these portals of sorts. Um, so I was sleeping at, my then sister-in-law's office and they, I made a little pallet on the floor because I was nursing my infant and I got up and got onto the couch at dawn and the sun came in and I was going back to sleep and I thought that someone had placed a blanket on me and I looked down and it was his body transposed curled up onto me um but he was Like I reached out to embrace him and he was transparent and he, at that point vanished. So I started communicating with him telepathically Mm -hmm. through the sun rays and it was effective. I just asked what he was needing because he seemed upset. And I said, is there anything I can do? What do you need? And it turned out he was still in his cremains were almost a year later, still untouched, packed into, uh, you know, a taped up box at his dad's house because his dad couldn't deal with it. So I had, (laughs) I then had a very strange phone call with his dad when I got back and said, Hey, I, I need to talk to you. Are you open to listening to something? Um, I had a visit from your son. And so I felt that I was able to help. So I do feel like it makes sense that we are continuously connected. Well, see, that's another thing that you and I have in common. You know, when I had a friend in high school and I just met her, she transferred from another school and went over to her house. It was a beautiful sunny day and we were in the backyard. And I looked at the back of the house window and I thought I saw Uh, a woman and she was saying something in a language I did not understand and I just repeated the words and my friend uh, who is Estonian Mm. it's it's a rare language okay Uh, so it's not like it's a rare place to be from and my little sister was best friends with an Estonian little girl so I'm kind of going what in the world (laughs) that's a really random connection And I didn't understand Estonian. I'd never heard it, but I repeated these words. And I said, this woman is saying these words. And she said, 
oh my gosh, really? That means haircut. And I said, yeah, okay. And she goes, that means haircut. And I'm going, okay, well, what does that mean? And who's this woman? She goes, that is, that is just too bizarre. But just keep going. Keep going, Monica. <laughs> Fortunately, my friend, who is still a good friend of mine, was not weirded out by this. And she wanted more. She said, just yeah. keep talking. And I said, okay. So we had, you know, I dropped these words and she said, makes total sense, makes total sense. I'm not going to tell you right now, but she goes, do you want to come into the house? No one's there yet. My parents aren't back or my stepdad and my mom. And I said, yeah, sure. So I went into the house and I said, I'm just going to follow my gut. I think I was probably about 16 or 17. And I walked into their dining room and I said, I need a chair. And she said, okay. And I said, I have to go into your closet. And she goes, okay. So I opened the closet. It's a linen closet in the dining room, okay? Because they converted one of the bedrooms clearly into a dining room. Mm -hmm. And I put the chair down and I looked up and there were stacks of towels on the top shelf. And I said, I'm just feeling. And she said, go with it. And I put my hand up and over the towels into the back. And I didn't touch. I knocked on wood three times and I said I don't know what that is and she said oh well let's take a look so she moved the towels out of the way and she pulled out a box of cremains and she said that is my stepfather's wife he said he had put her somewhere else oh my god and she used to cut hair for all the kids in the neighborhood and the poor woman tragically died of a brain tumor and it was sudden and she was just gone. And so, so that was the easiest word for her to get across probably so that you would well, know she was who talking, it was. Yeah. She was trying to tell me who she was and she knew that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would absolutely know. Right. Right. And I felt directed, you know, and I'm reaching in and knocking on something and honestly, totally naive at no idea I said I don't know what that is I just knocked on and when she pulled out the towels and she pulled out this wooden box I still didn't know it was like you know a small wooden box that had nothing on it and she said oh I know she goes this is and she turned it and you could sort of see some markings on the side she said this is you know my stepfather's you know yeah, yeah. wife and he said he moved her and I said, I guess he didn't. I said, <laughs> and she said, well, I better just put this back. And I said, well, I guess so. How are you going to bring this up at the dinner table? You know, <laughs> a, a person you've known for approximately, ten, you know, 10 hours is just, you know, <laughs> discovered the cremains in the back of the closet. Oh you know, it's, it's really, and she knows she doesn't speak Estonian, but she was talking about, you know, the dead woman's haircutting in the neighborhood. <laughs> And she said, no, she goes, I'll just bring it up with my mom and ask her and just tell her I've had a weird feeling. Did, you know, uh, the stepfather, did he yeah. actually, uh, could you ask him maybe if he, yeah. what he did? Doesn't that her? put us in such a weird position when we know these things? Well, that, right. That's, you I think, what made me feel so different between. as a kid. Because exactly. people would be like, how did you know? And I'm like, oh, right. Like I did something wrong. I always felt like I was exactly. wrong. Exactly. Or you made it up. Mm. 
Yeah. So I think that's great, you know, and um, I'm really glad that you created this space. You know, I think well, thank you. And I'm glad that you're people. a part of it. You're officially, um, we're in the same community. You've come in. <laughs> thank you for